Dear Lord, thank you for this day and for all your blessings. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for the help that you are. All the healing everywhere we hurt that you represent to us and provide. All the empowerment through your precious promises and the love that you are and that you give to us. Thank you for provision and prosperity in every area of our life, Lord. Thank you for using this message to to continue to help heal us where we hurt and help us to receive it into good ground as a good thing, as a message that's meant to build us up and not tear us down, to, to help us and to edify us and help us to receive it in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. read a few scriptures here. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Proverbs 19.11 James 1.19.20 Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Luke 6.31 And as you wish that others would do to you, do also unto them. Golden rule. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion or argument that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. But now you must put away all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Remember, judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. But love your enemies. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave... To the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And remember, Jesus died for you and for them. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, 
so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. That little tapestry of scripture, I noticed that at the end, that I was very thankful that it ended with that, and I circled it, and it said, just as you are doing. I said, "That, that is very befitting to our church. I love that about this place. I love it when I see you guys get on those text messages and you just jump all over it praying for people and loving on each other and through all the ups and downs and sideways and everything of life. And uh, But, you know, that's a good feeling when that happens, when you get involved in that, isn't it? I want to talk a little bit today about anger and strife. They're very self-destructive things in the life of a believer. They open doors to the enemy and like the scripture says, it never works the righteousness of God. Proverbs 13.10 says that only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. What that says is that all strife comes from (laughs) self-centeredness. And it also tells you that it takes two to tango. So if two people are arguing... Who's in pride? Both of them. Amen. Only by strive, only by pride comes contention. Amen. That's something interesting to ponder on, and it'll help you if you let it. So let's talk about a few different points, if you would. About anger. Because these are areas where we find that Christians. The world's messed up anyway. But where Christians struggle. And we need to fix the church. So that our light will shine brighter in the world. Instead of blending in with it. Wouldn't you agree? One of the ways that. Christians that I find are angry is with God. And uh, a lot of times they don't realize it or admit it or say it like that. But the source of this is always wrong thinking or misconceptions about God. That's a fact. Things like, well, God is sovereign. See, it's, it's the, I blame the church in large part for some of this because they teach the sovereign, sovereignty of God to a, to a fault. We know God can do anything. We know God is the Alpha and Omega, and God is God. But they teach the sovereignty of God to where everything that happens is God. And that's just not true, folks. 
But that sort of teaching leads people to say, well, if he's so good, then why would he allow bad things to happen to good people? Because bad things do happen to good people. Or he took my job. He took my wife. He took my husband. He allowed sickness and disease, poverty. He let my kid get strung out on drugs. That's all wrong. John 10.10 says, Jesus said, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I don't find one time in the Bible where Jesus ever put sickness on anyone or threatened them with it. He told somebody, go and sin no more unless something worse happened to you. He didn't say unless I do something worse to you. He's talking about unless you keep, you keep sinning, you're going to open doors for the devil. Ephesians 3.20 teaches us that God does great things. We love that scripture, the first part of it anyway, where it says, God can do exceedingly, abundantly all that we ask or think. And people say, yeah, God can do anything. God can do everything. God is good. But they don't read the last part of the scripture. It says, according to the power that worketh in us. Doesn't it? Do I need to look at it? I'm pretty sure I know that one. Amos 3.3, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? You see? He's saying we need to agree with him. Why, why is there a need for that? Hebrews 4.11 says, let us therefore... It's one of the let us's that I told you there's a dozen let us's in Hebrews. I really want to minister on that this week. But the second one, or the, the second one, let us be diligent. Therefore, to, to enter that rest. Remember we talked about it last week. The rest of God that we're supposed to strive and struggle to enter into. So, all this is talking about the fact that, okay, yes, we are dependent upon God. We can't do anything apart from Him. We're not self-confident. We're not presumptuous of His grace. Some are. But we shouldn't be. But we still need to roll up our spiritual sleeves and go to work, don't we? We diligently pursue and protect the things that Jesus died to provide us with. And then God is always faithful on His end, isn't He? I'll give you a great example of this in Proverbs chapter... Proverbs 10. And then I'll... I'll show you this. Because we love this one scripture in Proverbs 10. And I'm going to show you. Uh, Verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. 
I've quoted that scripture many times. Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. But look in that same proverb, verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Is it God or our diligence? Because it claims both. Well, Holy Spirit, you were right, sir. Amen. (laughs) He's pointing out a partnership there. You see that. Yesterday, I was on the phone with a minister, a friend of mine, and he's talking. Ministers talk a lot. (laughs) And uh, I... While he was talking, I was listening, I was talking back to, you know, but I felt something in my throat and it didn't feel good at all. And I went, I took my flashlight on my phone while I'm still talking on the phone, I had it on speaker and I'm shining in my throat, looking in the mirror and on the back of my throat here, on the right side, there was a big white ulcer and it looked it wasn't pleasant to look at. And then my right ear just stopped, just went and stopped up completely. I went back, sat down on the couch. I was still talking talk to him. I said, Scott, hold on. I said, I don't mean to interrupt you, but hold on a second. And I told him what happened. I said, I, just since I've been talking to you, this thing coming. I went and looked at it and told him what it was. I said, Nimmo, right here. I said, just pray with me and agree right now. I said, I'm going to catch this sucker coming in the door instead of trying to get him out later. He said, right on. And so we prayed. And I said, okay, continue. And we just talked for a few more minutes. And then by the time I, well, five minutes after I got off the phone or whatever, I realized it's all gone. It's all gone. God's faithful in his part, but he needed me to release faith to receive that healing, you know? So, if we're angry with God, the solution is really just to to understand that your problem never came from God. We have to know that. He loves you. So, the best thing we can do is realize... That he's God, we're not, and just completely surrender our lives and our will to him. The same preacher I was talking to yesterday, he he called me and he said, God's been showing me, he said that the, the church is, the problem with the church is, it's just like the world, you know, same divorce rate, and he says there's, there's no repentance I said, well, that's always been the case. People like the forgiveness part, but the lordship they struggle with. (laughs) He says, yeah, they don't ever give their will over to him. I said, well, again, (laughs) nothing new. That's why I'm so excited about this third great awakening that we've entered into. It turned people's hearts back to him. We're going to see wonderful things in the coming years. But we need to believe that God's good. And no matter what, 
we're just going to love Him and serve Him and trust in His goodness. Because He really isn't the source of our problems. And if people will be taught this and believe it, then they'll get over their anger with God and they'll learn to go run to Him instead of from Him. Because it is a big problem. You say, well, I, I'm not mad at God. Well, good, me neither. <laughs> I don't think I ever blamed God, even at my worst. I, you know, that wasn't the way that I went. You say, but it's this uh, other people that I have problems with. I love God. Well, first of all, God says that we're not being honest if we say that. We say we love Him who we can't see, but hate our brother whom we can see. We're liars, is what He calls us. And so I've had to deal with that before. I almost quit the ministry my first year or two. I told Him, Lord, I... I, I love you, but I, I'm having trouble with your people, so I need to quit because I see here <laughs> it's not allowed and, and you're saying I'm a liar just by saying that. And so I just I guess I better just quit. <laughs> he took me on a journey and just realized that I do love people. I do love people and, I, and it's my passion that to, whether it be to provoke them into uh, believing or, or to thought or to... Reconciliation, that's my goal, is to meet everybody in heaven. And I don't want anybody left behind. And I can't think of a single person that I don't want to be there. I want God to get a hold of all of them, you see. That's a good thing. But it's not the case with everybody. And so we do have a lot of anger toward others. And this is a place where nobody really... You might say you're not angry with God, but most folks struggle with getting mad at others and harboring unforgiveness. And uh, the first thing that we need to know as Christians and believe, you have to know it and believe it. Being angry and holding um, grudges or offenses against another person is totally useless to you. Totally. Counterproductive. It brings you absolutely no benefit. It doesn't hurt them. It hurts you. It hurts you. And the devil will come in and eat your lunch and pop the bag. James 3.16 says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. That's English Standard Version, which, see, scriptures like that make me want to get rid of it. And then I'll find other scriptures that make me go, oh, it caught it just right. But the King James says, where jealousy and strife exist, there will be confusion and every evil practice. So where you have strife, where you have this... This sort of unforgiveness and anger and infighting and bitterness—it doesn't say some evil practice. It says all evil practices. So you're just loosening the devil. Yeah, your anger against people is not why you have anger. And I don't want to get off on that right now because 
There is a godly use of anger, and it's supposed to be toward the devil. Amen. Amen. You love the person, you hate the sin, you realize there's a spiritual realm that we live in that's more real, and there's a real war raging, and that's where your anger is supposed to be directed. Not against your fellow man. The immortal words of uh, Martin Luther King, he, he said... Hatred can't drive out hatred. Only love can do that. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And he was right. Strife is totally unacceptable. Hatred and unforgiveness are unacceptable. And people, what we do is we make excuses. We, we, we paint things with a different brush. We, we, we try to color it different. I don't know how to say that. We try to make it sound like something that it's not. Because we don't want to admit what it is. I deal with people almost every day who just, they go round and round circling these wagons and try to just, just put it in the best light they can. And I'm like, I don't care how you paint that. Here's what it is. It's it's uh, it's unforgiveness. It's bitterness. It's and and, and you you've got to deal with that. I remember lots of things growing up like this. But we, you know, you see it in family. Oh, my, that's just that's our heritage. We're we're this or we're that that. And we just always we're we're loud people. We just always fussing and fighting. We don't mean nothing by it. We always yelling at each other, and we don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. That's just how we are. That's just who I am. Well, okay, you're a Christian and you're identifying with, <laughs> okay, with, with, a, with anger because of your heritage or because that's just how you were raised or because of something else or something else. I, we used to do the same thing for my grandmother. And God bless her. I, I love my grandma and, and uh, and I love my grandpa. He was my hero. He was the Battle of the Bulge guy who was just very calm and seemed like it. On the inside, he wasn't, though. Why? Because my grandmother incessantly screamed and yelled and hollered at him. She browbeat him. And he was quiet. He defended her. She just doesn't feel well. She's just nervous. And, you know, and all those things do cause people to be a little grumpy. I, I know. But I don't, I don't care. You need to stop it. <laughs> it's, 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 you got to stop it. She could have stopped it. Grandma could have stopped it. And I'm not here to make my grandma look bad. I'm here to help God's people. Because, you see, she was a pastor's kid. I never knew her to go to church in my life. But she used to play organ in the church. And when grandpa died of cancer. Anytime you die before 70 years old. Devil has something to do with it. My grandpa died of cancer. And grandma became like a teenager again. Sweet as could be. Lost all the weight. Had a bunch of boyfriends. 
treated them so nice. Hello. She had a choice. She knew what she was doing. And I'm... That sounds bad. I'm not trying to condemn my grandma. Thank God. I pray I see her when I get home. And I'm going to thank her for this story. But I'm going to tell her I hope it helps somebody. Just like all the bad stories about people in the Bible. Like I told you, God didn't put them there to embarrass those folks. He didn't put them there to help us. I have a friend who he managed... He went down to South Texas to a church who had just come into the truth about God. It's always God's will to heal you and, and uh, all of the truth that uh, they had sort of, you know, they believe miracles happen, but they didn't believe that uh, you could believe for them or, or, you know, expect one, you know, and then they came into the truth and they, and they had been praying for a, a teenage boy who was in a coma they had like a, a deal at the church where they were like for three days just prayed and fasted and they were just believing and he passed away and they just didn't understand why. As of just a few days before this minister got down there and anyway, they were just so upset about it and they couldn't understand what happened and why why he didn't come out of the coma and, and be healed because they really believed that it's true that healing is for everybody. Well... This minister, he was spent a lot of time with the, the family because he was really trying to figure out what happened. And they they got to telling him, well, this unfortunately this this home was just in terrible strife. The mother and father were were going to get a divorce. They were going to break up and get a divorce and just that morning the the mama had told this boy on his way to school that she hated him and she didn't ever want to see him again you know just stupid stuff like that and after school he went over to a friend's house instead of going home and he was playing Russian roulette and blew his own head off well that's why he didn't come out of the coma you know but they just couldn't figure it out he said well you know I hate to tell you this, but, you know, yes, all these wonderful things from God are ours. They're on account. And, and yeah, miracles really do happen. They are for today. Healing is for today. All the blessings of God are ours. Yes and amen. The promises of God. But, but we have a part to play. We can't just... Do whatever we want and expect God to do everything that He can do. He doesn't work like that. There's a saying that says, we, we can't do anything without Him. He won't do anything without us. Now, there are exceptions. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to lay blame. I'm saying that bad things do happen to good people. And, and sometimes we have nothing to do with it. Because the devil is always trying to interfere. This is a fallen world. But to the extent that we do have a part to play, we need to understand it so that we know how to apply God's truth. Amen. So, when there's strife and 
bitterness and things like that and anger, we need to just stop it. (laughs) Self-discipline is one of the fruit of the Spirit. If you have God, you have self-discipline. You can, you can, you not slave to your emotions. People say, I can't help how I feel or what I, you know, that's the world talking. That's not how a Christian should talk. We should draw on the mind of Christ, the kingdom of God within us. And we, we have everything that we need for this life and for godliness already been provided. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? So we just need to stop it. We need to, we need to protect the peace and sanctity of our homes and our hearts. Doesn't the Bible say guard your heart above all things? That doesn't mean just put up a blockade. I'm never letting anybody hurt me again. That's not what you're talking about. You're going to be in the world and you're supposed to be shining your light. And you're going to be vulnerable. But when they, when they hurt you, just realize that they're just hurting, they're hurting Jesus. Just like when he knocked Paul off his horse and knocked him down with the light on the road to Damascus. He said, why dost thou persecuteth me? Paul could have said, well, I haven't done anything to you. <laughs> but he was killing Christians. And Jesus took it personal, didn't he? He said, why are you persecuting me? And you need to realize that's how he feels about you. It'll change your outlook. Won't it? So we need to quit blaming God. And we need to stop allowing strife and bitterness and anger and unforgiveness to be a part of our lives. Or we need to stop wondering why Satan is able to hinder our prayers. Is that fair? It's the same reason he's been able to try and destroy every one of our lives at some point. I know, I know I allowed it. Many, many, many times. I just thank God for His grace and mercy that He even protected and saved me through those things. So miracles do happen and God is always... He may be using somebody else to pray for you in situations and circumstances. God's always trying to do good. We come to God... We get excited and we close that front door to the devil publicly. And then we run home and open every window and the back door and invite him in. We need to stop it. If we don't want the devil crashing our party, we need to quit sending out the invitations. Amen. The fix is easy. Just repent. Just means to change your mind. We need to change our mind about things that don't agree with God. That's repentance. I don't know why when people think of repentance, they think of, uh, I think of the scarlet letter. Where that silly priest was just beating himself, giving himself a whooping all the time. <laughs> Doing penance, you know. In Mexico, they still have these days where people crawl on their hands and knees and crawl through glass and all that and then allow themselves to be hung on crosses and all this nonsense. You know, religion makes people do stupid things. Yeah. 
Really, it's all about self-centeredness. Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, strife. It's really self-centeredness. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? So, we just need to start loving God and loving people. This is the fix. You ever notice how when you're feeling bad and you're feeling down, you're feeling depressed and you're feeling self-pity, if you'll get up, make your bed, (laughs) brush your teeth, and go do something good for somebody else, it just makes you feel wonderful. God made you that way. That's who you are. That's what we're supposed to be. Those lettuces that I was talking about from the Bible in Hebrews. I think the eighth one is in Hebrews 10.24. Let us consider one another. The verse says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So we're supposed to encourage each other. Do good to each other and and provoke each other or encourage each other to, to good things. Amen. Amen. That's the answer to self-centeredness. That's the cure. We're trying to, we're trying to get to the cures of things. We're, not, we're pointing out some problems, some ugly, but we're trying to get to the cure, aren't we? Amen. Because we want to be a help, not just we want to be helped by God, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered. We want to go help others with that same help we receive. That's why this church has got that. You know, a self-centered person never truly a happy person. Ever. Ever. I've been one and I've known a bunch. <laughs> you know, we probably all can identify at some degree or level at some point in our life. They might have everything the world has to offer. But there's always a lack. There's always a hole. There's always a void. There's never truly peace and rest as long as people are focused on self. So we need to invest our lives in others. And provoke others to love and and good deeds. And then we need to look closely at our own lives. We need to just start... You know, start 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 putting your spouse above yourself. It's a good place to start. <laughs> start treating your children with kindness and bless them. Stop yelling and screaming at your kids. Look around here, I have to say grandkids to a lot of us. <laughs> Most of our kids are grown, <laughs> not all of us, but... And you know this is this is going out on the on the airwaves. So I don't know who this is for, but I know the Lord wanted me to minister this today. Maybe it's for you to go and minister to somebody else, because you know that's the that's really what church is. That's what Jesus, when He ascended, He gave gifts to men. What were they? The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. He gave the fivefold ministry as a gift to the church. So that they could prepare you for the work of the ministry. Everybody goes, oh, just, it's, you know. We go visit Jesus on Sundays and 
And the rest of the week, we just leave all the praying and all that up to the, the preacher. And, I, and that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here because that's not y'all. And I'm so glad because I don't have to look away from folks, you know. <laughs> As I realize, uh-oh, they think I'm preaching at them or reading their mail, you know, because that's what God does usually. <laughs> Believe me, it's never about you. I, it was never, you know, thought of, I was never thinking of you when I read minister something, but... You know, there's a there. There were there, I tell you about the pastor friend that um, he was. He had a woman in his office, and she had a bunch of her kids with her, and they were out in the waiting room. And she was sitting in there with him, and she's just like, Pastor. She says, I just don't know. I don't know. I just want you to pray. I, I don't know what's wrong with my my children. They just yo y'all shut up out there. I'm like, don't make me come out there. I'm here. You shut up right now. Pastor, I just don't know why they treat me so bad. They just don't. Can you just pray for my children? He said, well, I can tell you what's wrong with them. I've heard that same story from two different preachers in two different settings, but it was basically the same story. (laughs) One of them was staying in the people's house. The other one that was in his office, but they both had the same. <laughs> and what? What? I mean, he said, "Why don't Why don't you talk to me like that?" They said, "Well, you're a guest in our home." I said, "I tell you what, if you talk to me like you talk to your children, we'd have a problem." Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I like the New Living Translation. It says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Is that a warning? No. It's just a reminder of the gravity of our situation and our calling. We're just here, at, we're, we're just recruiters here, you know. It's not our home. But wouldn't you act differently if you knew he was coming this evening or tomorrow? Because one day that's going to be true. <laughs> and with the kingdom of God, there's only one day. It's called today. So we're supposed to treat every day that way. Lord, help us with this. I'm not claiming to have reached that destination. But I left the dock. Amen. I'm headed that way. (laughs) I'm not tied to the... I'm not anchored down to the... (laughs) You get out on the waters and you start moving. Then then God God can adjust your course. As long as you're tied to the dock, you can turn that wheel all day long, back and forth, and it ain't going to change the direction of that boat. Just get off and head in that direction that God is calling you to do. That's your purpose, you know. People think of purpose, they think of a destination, a where am I supposed to be. That's exactly what I hear most of the time. I don't know where God has called me to be. What He's supposed to be doing. I said, I do. Oh, good. 
I said, here's the fruit of the Spirit right here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's your purpose. That's Jesus. That's, that's the purpose God created you for. If I'm an ashtray, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the same purpose whether I'm in the White House or in the, in the outhouse. You see? I'm going to have the same purpose. That's a... I don't know. I'm just... I'm, I don't know what's wrong with me. But you get it, right? I mean, it's the, it's the same purpose. The same with a Christian. You just do and be... What God has given you the power, the grace to be and to do, no matter where you are, and then He'll He'll get you where He needs you to be doing it. It takes the load off, folks. People get so caught up and worried about where they're supposed to be doing it all the time, they forget to be doing it where they're at. So, I love you folks, and I'm just, I'm just trying to share some things as God would have us to, to understand them. We need to close the doors to the devil, and then we'll begin to see amazing results in our prayer life. It'll be like a, a dam has been a blockade has been there and the dam is just blown open with dynamite. And you'll see wonderful things come to pass. I really know that and I believe that that we hinder or we allow the enemy to hinder our prayers many times because it's things that you know, like just like when people are always saying, I don't know what God wants me to do. And I'll say, well, what's the last thing he told you to do? And they go, uh. And, you know, sometimes they have to go way back. I'm like, did you do that? No. Nah. <laughs> That's a problem. That's a problem. He was trying to encourage you to let go of something that you were holding on to so he could give you something better. And you still hadn't done that. And he hadn't forgotten that you heard him the first time. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You might say, okay, well, I've tried all that. And I, I just keep failing. I've, I've tried to forgive. I, I, I'm mad at God. I've, I'm, I've tried to forgive others. And I just keep failing. I've, I've screwed up. It's too late. I already screwed up. I already made my bed, <laughs> you know, all the different things I hear. And now I'm just stuck with the consequences, you see. This is the this is a this is a big one. I'm just stuck with the consequences of my past. I used to live in this place. So I know it all too well. It's like being in a prison cell. For many years, you probably know every inch of that dark room. Well, I know it on this one. We say, I, I just, I'm stuck with it. I'm just, it's too late. 
I can't fix the things that I've messed up. Wrong. Wrong. And that brings me to this this point. This last... People are mad at themselves. People are angry and hold unforgiveness and bitterness toward themselves. And the key to that, to fixing it, is you can't give away what you don't have. There's, uh, you know, there are a lot of marriage seminars and things like that. And I'm not, not against anything. Help somebody, hey, all, all the better. But I'm telling you, and, and I have to qualify this because I'm not nearly perfect on this subject, but, but I want to be. And I have a great revelation of marriage, what it is, the beauty of it, the power of it, the, the typology of it. And now I know. And I love marriage because of that. I love my marriage. I love my wife. But Tamana and I, you know, we were pretty hard-headed and pretty self-centered about a bunch of things. And it come to terms and agreeing on things was not always an uh, easy process. So we made a few unnecessary laps around that mountain. Amen. But I tell you what, <laughs> I wish we would just do God think God's way every time, the first time, you know, <laughs> which is perfect. But we had a bunch of stuff to learn the hard way. But now we can both give others lots of really good and godly advice. You know? The problem with a lot of those seminars about marriage, the point I was trying to make, is they just like to shine the light on how you're treating your spouse and then tell you all the things that you're supposed to be doing in that relationship so that you'll love each other correctly and then demonstrate it and it'll heal your marriage. Sounds great. And that would be perfect, except there's a deeper problem. Some of those people have never received love. And you can't give away what you don't have. These, these counselors, they, very seldom will they tell people how much God loves them. And that's what's necessary. Most people have never truly received God's unconditional love for themselves. And the reason some people are as mean as a rattlesnake is because they don't love themselves. They don't like themselves. They're totally dissatisfied with themselves and it's caused them a lot of problems in their life. How do we help someone like this? Well, sometimes we need to take a good look at the people that are so angry and we need to look into the Spirit we need to pray. We need to pray in the Spirit. And we can see that that spouse or that friend or that boss or that co-worker is so mean because they've never known love. They were abused. They were rejected. Rejection is one of the biggest causes of problems in, in this country and in the world and always has been. People have rejection issues. And sometimes it comes from before they were even born. 
They might have been unwanted. I, my wife and I, this is, we, we had to, we came to terms, we, we realized both of us had a lot of rejection issues. And I don't go into that, but because I've always shared a lot of stuff with y'all anyway, but that's not the point today. It can really, really cripple a person. When people are rejected, mistreated, abused, and and what they really need is to be told how much God loves them. They need a revelation of God's love. You can tell somebody, you can tell somebody, but they need that light bulb to go on. They need to believe it. Because it sounds a little too good to be true. The gospel is almost too good to be true. That's what it literally means. Almost too good to be true news. As if you had a literal translation for it. But if they get a revelation of it, then they can walk in it and they can begin to give it away to others. Which is the ultimate goal. Maturity. Amen. As a Christian. I never forget how crippled I was because of this. I didn't I didn't love me. And because of it, I did everything wrong. Sitting in a at Home Depot parking lot right over there on on uh, nineteen sixty near uh, Eldridge and my white Toyota pickup. <laughs> I was pulled in there. I pulled over and got in a big empty space in the parking lot and just had to just turn the key off. And I just poured my heart out to God and crying, praying and praying in tongues and just tears were just falling down. And I was sobbing and I never forget him telling me in an audible voice, that he loved me, and that I was his child, and he was pleased with me. Yeah. Amen. He broke my heart. And then, in a good way, <laughs> and then the next Sunday, because how many, don't you know that there's somebody else listening to that, and he's going to try to steal it from you? The enemy, of course. But that next Sunday at church, outside of the church, a guy from the church, he came and he just came up to me and just began to prophesy over me and tell me that how much God loved me and he wanted to, he was going to be my father. And he wanted me to know it and how much he loved me. And this was like back to back, you know. But that's how much you got to hammer that into us sometimes. It's like to believe it. But we need to believe it. We need to receive it. We need to know it. It's not like psychology that says that it's okay to be angry. It's not your fault. No, it's not okay. And, and if, they, if they leave those doors open for the enemy, he's going to continue to come in and destroy their lives. No doubt. But you don't fix it either by... Just pointing out all they're ugly. So you don't hand them a pair of crutches and say it's okay. Life made you this way. But at the same time, you don't just condemn them and 
and point your finger at them and judge them for being so ugly because they know it already whether they admit it or not. Because they're going to shift blame. They're going to point the finger and they're going to make excuses and they're going to blame everybody else for their life and their situation if you really provoke them to it. But the fix is way down further. You, you have to go to the root of the problem. You have to help them to receive God's love. There was a woman at a conference who had... Uh, she was on a, a walker. She had uh, crippling arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, I guess you'd call it, right? And she's on a walker and she went real slow. She wasn't old, but she was she was hurting. I remember when I was like second or third grade, I had a teacher who was... Seemed, uh, everybody seems old when you're a kid, but I knew she wasn't that old and she had that, you know? But she came up and got prayed for and holding that walker in the air, you know, she was healed. The next day, it was like a few-day conference, she came back and she's on the walker again, right? Well, came back and said, what happened to you? And the minister said, she said, well, it's just back, you know. It's worse now. It seemed like worse than it was. And so, well, we need to pray. So, began to pray, asking God to reveal what the problem was. And they said, whoa, whoa. Man, you've got, you've got some real bitterness, unforgiveness in you. And you need to deal with that. And, I, you know, just I believe there's an anointing here for you to be healed and to be free of all this right now, you know. And she just began to share this story, you know, how when she was like 20, 25 years younger, a, a man that she was dating, and they were supposed to be married, and he talked her into doing things before they were married, and she didn't want to, and then he ran off, and she had the baby, and you, you know. It's not a new story. <laughs> but she was just really mad about that, which, you know, it's not a good thing. But they said, you need to, that's just going to destroy you, and that's what's destroying you now. And she said, I, I, I forgive. I forgive him, named him by name. And she said, I let it go. I let it all go. And man, before they could even pray for her again, she had that walker up in the air again. She was already healed. They didn't have to pray for her again. And, you know, no, I don't believe it came back, you know. <laughs> I believe that was it. And that's what God was trying to reveal and show her because He loved her. Amen? <laughs> Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? We said that before. And that, I mean, that seems silly, but it really is the truth on a spiritual level. And it will destroy you. So we need to trust God with these things and, uh, and know that He loves us. Not because we're lovely, though. We, we need to quit trying to be worthy of God's love and His blessings. Because we're never going to earn that love that we doubt. That's why we doubt it, because we're looking at our own merits, right? 
we need to realize we didn't get it from Him because of our own merits and we never could. He loves us because He is love. And now that you've put your trust in Jesus, He loves you because when He looks at you, He sees Jesus. He loves you as much as He's ever loved any believer in this world. He's no respecter of persons. That that doesn't mean He doesn't respect anybody. (laughs) It means he, He doesn't... He doesn't play favorites. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. But the devil wants you dead. The devil wants you dead. And I don't want people looking for a a demon on every doorknob. I want you to focus and magnify the Lord and His love and His promises and His provision. That's living a life after the Spirit. Every time you focus on your problem instead of God's provision... That problem will magnify. And it's not going to get better by you focusing on it and worrying about it and talking about it. It's going to get better by you talking about God's solution, God's provision, God's promises. That's living life after the Spirit, you see. That's where you have power and provision. And that's where you release your faith to draw upon the well of God's grace and provision for your life. Amen. 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 I got more, but that seems like a good stopping point right there. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and grace and mercy. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your healing power. Thank you that you love us and you want to heal us everywhere we hurt. Spirit, soul, and body. And we just thank you for that, Lord. We just choose, Lord, to to let go of all unforgiveness in our lives. If there's anyone that has harmed us, Lord, or hurt us, or left us feeling resentment and anger toward them, we forgive right now in the name of Jesus. Say amen if that's you. We just let it all go, Lord. We, we choose love. We choose life. doesn't mean we're saying it's okay. We hate sin, Lord. We hate evil. We will never call evil good. But we don't hold that against any person. We trust you with it. We cast all of our cares upon you, knowing that you will take care of, your, of everything in, in your way, in your time. We're not going to pick it up again. We're going to leave it there with you. And we're going to be free. Your children are meant to be free. We have been born and saved for freedom. And we're not going to use that freedom for things that are not of you, Lord. But to serve you and to be a blessing and to live the blessed life. So we thank you for your peace, love, and joy, Lord. And we just thank you that we are free today. We walk in victory over all these things. Where there's sickness, Lord, we just command it to leave. It's not, it's not, uh, it's occupying territory that it's not uh, allowed to be in. We just command it to go in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for teaching us and helping us to know that we, we don't have to pray awesome prayers. We don't want to put faith in that prayer. We want to keep the prayer simple. Because what we're waiting to get to is in the name of Jesus. 
That's where our authority is. Your children. It's not of anything special about us. Of our own. It's just that you are in us and with us and you'll never leave us or forsake us because of the faith that you've given us and that we've placed in Jesus. Thank you for loving us and that you will never hold anything against us and so we won't hold anything against anyone else. We are positioned. We are in you. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That's what makes us holy and righteous. And we thank you for loving us so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.